I want you to open your Bible this morning, if you haven't, and uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And all these scriptures will be on the uh, 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 screen that will help you. But I want to read this, uh, 1 Timothy 6, I want to read a few verses. Uh, it begins in verse um, 6, 1 Timothy 6, 6. It's, it's amazing how in um, seven words, God can say so much. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Think about it. How many people you know are contented in their lives? But it says godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Now that's very sobering. <laughs> we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I've never seen a, a, a little baby born with a Rolex watch on. <laughs> or uh, with the keys to a new Mercedes. I've never seen one. Because he brought nothing into this world but an eternal soul, and he can carry nothing out but an eternal soul. And we go on and read, uh, it says, and having food and clothing, boy, that, that is a very strong statement, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. He said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, we're going to take nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. I guess he's assuming there that we have a house or a trailer or something we live in. But, uh, but he said, once you've got a roof over your head, be content with what you have. All right, let me tell you, look at the warning he gives. He talks about godliness with contentment. But then he warns. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now, now wait a minute. He said, those who pursue, pursue riches, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lust, which drown them in destruction and perdition. Man, that, that is strong. He said, a person who's covetous, whose passion is for material things, are for wealth. They're going to fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful, harmful lusts that drown them in destruction and despair. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, we know that does not say that the love of money is the root, is, 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 it, it is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not wrong for people to have money. Not at all. It's all about how they manage that and how they realize where it's from. But it is the love of money that causes people to do all kind of wicked and ungodly things. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, uh, for which some have strayed from the faith. This is not people that were outside the faith. The love of money caused them to stray from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many, many sorrows. Um, let me pray for just a moment. Holy Spirit, the great teacher, Christ present among us, speak to every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin with a, a true story. I'm going to tell you the first part, but I'm not going to tell you the rest, less, rest of it until the last thing in the message. I can't remember really how long ago. It had to be at least 15 years ago, maybe 20. I lose track of time. Uh, that somebody asked me to go visit this gentleman in the hospital at Providence and said he just found out he had cancer. He said, now, he's not a religious person, never goes to church, hadn't been since he was about 11. But um, 
And the lady in the, that's in the room with him is not his wife. So, but I, I, I'd appreciate it if you'd go by and see him. So I went. And immediately, the Holy Spirit gave me a bond with that man. I, I went in there and just told him I was concerned and burdened about his cancer and that I, I wanted to pray for him. And um, he, he received it. His name was Don. He received it. And uh, we prayed together. And then over the la next few months, he wouldn't come to church. But he watched our service on television every Sunday. And God began to really do a lot of things in his heart. And we talked about it. And he was doing real well. And I knew I felt like God was dealing with him. But the cancer came back. And so he ended up taking his lawyer and his accountant with him to MD Anderson uh, Hospital to settle his, all of his estate and fares before he died. Now you remember that, that uh, that's the first part of the story. Today I want to talk to you about contentment or covetousness. You know, there's a, one verse in the Bible said that covetousness, which is idolatry. And so there can be a time in a person's life when things become their idol. And that certainly could be true in this nation of America where a man thinks the, 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 that his life consists in the abundance of the things that he possesses. So we need to either live a life of contentment or we'll live a life of covetousness. Let me de define covetousness for you. It's greed. It's greed. It's when you're covetous, you are greedy. You may be about something that in itself is not wrong, but it is controlling you and you're greedy and you're covetous until you have that particular thing. Let's, let's look, first of all, kind of reverse it. Let's look at uh, what the Bible says about contentment. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, you notice it says, godliness with contentment. Which I believe the Bible's saying that you're not going to be content, really, until you're living a godly life. I, I don't believe you will be. I believe the things of this world, the way that they market things, you know, they market everything and all this stuff, and they know exactly how to get through the windows of your soul, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, taste, and touch, and they know how to communicate the message to you that make you desire things, and that necessarily may not be bad, but things that you don't need, and then you begin to covet after those. You know, uh, so, you know, the, uh, only godliness will make a person content. You say, well, Brother Fred, what is godliness? Godliness is to be godlike, to be godlike. In other words, that Christ lives in you, and he's living his life through you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. And so you realize here that it is godliness when Jesus Christ is in control of your life. And your life is manifesting the character of God, love, joy, and peace. So you're not going to have contentment without godliness. I'm just telling you, you won't. Because this, this society, the lust of the flesh, but listen to this, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, they spend millions, no billions of dollars to put those billboards up. They spend billions of dollars to put those things, advertisements, on television. I mean, because they got to get you to, and, and they'll keep doing it over and over because they want to get it in your eyes, which takes it to your mind. And so you, you're living in a world that is, 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 is marketing covetousness is exactly what it's doing. So that's why it's so difficult to be, uh, God, uh, to be content unless you are godliness. It says here that... Um, uh, that that we should we should be content with the necessities of life. 
I want you to look at verse 6, chapter 6, verse 8. It says here, having food and clothing, with these things be content. Now, it's, it's not saying anything here about what you have, but it says if you have something to eat and something to wear, you should be satisfied. You should be content. Of course, in the day in which we live, if you're going to have a job, you've got to have a car to get to work with. And you certainly need to have a, ha- a roof over your head. But it's saying this basically this. When you have the necessities of life, be content with it. Don't be coveting after everything else. That don't mean you won't have other things. That won't mean that within your means you buy, might buy something beside uh, uh a new dress or a new pair of pants. Uh, some of you might even buy a set of golf clubs. I don't recommend it. You'll just get frustrated. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm saying things are not wrong in themselves, but they're wrong when they have you. And when you begin to covet things you cannot afford and things God does not want you to have, that's when you get in trouble. And you let those, that lust of the eyes, all those pictures... Oh, make everything look so good. Have you ever noticed that none of the advertisements live up to what they say? They get, they'll give you a picture of a chair, and you just dream of sitting by, down in that chair. And you, and you get it, and you sit down in it, and it's the hardest thing you've ever sat in your life. I mean, they're, they're not always telling you the truth. I'm just telling you. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that we need to be content, and we don't need to be coveting things that God does not want us to have. Well, and he tells us why. Look at verse 7 of 1 Timothy 6. It says, For we brought nothing into this world, (laughs) and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know, that, that is an amazing statement. Boy, you came into this world with nothing. Now, you can, you can, you can, when you get, uh, die and they put your body where your spirit's already gone to heaven or hell, they put your body in, in the casket that you can have on your rings and you can have on your watch and you can have on your new, new dress and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can do all that, and, and, and you, but it's, it's going to go back to the dust from which it came. It's not going to go into eternity with you. So listen, we didn't bring anything else in, and we're not going to take anything out. You know, I never will forget a true story about a man in Texas who, who was, had been poor most of his life, but they struck oil on his land. And man, he, he really got rich. But he died. Isn't that amazing? Everybody dies. But he died. But he said, to, told them now, but when I die, I want to I go out in style. So they dug a big, big hole in the ground, and they got a gold-covered Cadillac and uh, a, a convertible and put him in it with a big cowboy hat on it, and, that, and they were lowering that gold-colored uh, Cadillac with him and his hat on, on, just looking, you know, just had him all stretched, uh, st- sitting up straight and everything. And, and, and boy, one of the guys punched it and said, man, that's really living, isn't it? <laughs> that's what people think. Whoever dies with the most toys. Man, that wasn't living. <laughs> it, 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 all that thing was going to do was rust anyway. But anyway, it just shows you that uh, only when you're content with what you have, and it may not be that God gives you a desire to have other things, but it's only when you're content with what you have that you are able to overcome covetousness. Let me tell you one of the problems. You know, in my generation, which was, I was born in 1937, and the Second World War hadn't even started. And, 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 and of course, we, came, we were in a Great Depression, and we came out of the Depression. You know, after the war, it, it was years when we, which ended in 44, it was years when we came out of the Depression. And so, uh, you know, we, we, I, there was a family of seven children, my father and mother, seven children. Uh, my daddy, we never owned a credit card. I didn't even know what a credit card was. Secondly, we never had a car that we didn't pay cash for because we didn't, you know, didn't have any credit. 
And uh, we'd buy groceries at the same groceries, Bigram's grocery store, and he would keep a record of everything we bought, and we'd pay him at the end of the month. And, and basically, we just had food and clothing and a little small 1,200-square-foot home with nine people in it. We, we were content. I didn't know it was anything, you know, I mean, I didn't know because it wasn't really anything much better. Everybody was pretty much on the same level. But contentment was there. And that was what, and mother, my, my mother made all the dresses for my five sisters. So, you know, I, I don't think we do that today. I think we go to Walmart or somewhere. But anyway, but contentment will keep you from covetousness. Let me show you why. Look at verse 9 and 10. If you're content, then you will not be inordinately pursuing riches. You will not do that because it says, if you do, you, you're going to fall into her, uh, 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 harm and a snare. It says, for those who desire to be rich. I've heard people say, I'm going to be a millionaire before I'm 35 years of old, years of age. Some of them made it, but didn't make it the right way, you know. But that, that's not the goal of life. That's not the goal of life. There's more to it than I hope to have a million dollars. It says, for those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Oh, is that not true? It's called fraud. People get uh, covetous, and they'll take money from the company they're working for, or the bank they work for, or the city they work for, or they'll come up with some fraudulent scheme like that Murdoch guy, Mur uh, Madoff, or whatever his name was, had about $60 billion that he was doing at, 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 in a slush fund, and he was living like it, and every bit of it was was gone, and people thought they were investing, investing. It was the biggest uh, fraud scheme probably in the history of our nation. But see, people who, and of course, he's in prison now if he's still alive. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lust. Boy, that doesn't sound good. Man, here's somebody who says, I'm going to be rich. Man, I'm going to have a new house, a new car, new clothes. I'm going to have the finest. Well, and they see people who have a new house and have a new car and have new clothes. Well, they don't realize that these people are probably 60 years old uh, and they have worked hard all their life. They started out probably making $5 an hour when they started, but have worked and, and, and they now have a nice house and a nice car. But here they are and they're 25 years old. They say, well, I deserve that. I ought to have a new house. I ought to have a new car. I ought to have, yeah. And by the way, they can get it with credit. But let me tell you something. I, I, I got to thinking about this. And, and I, I, they're one of the top three things that cause divorce is the argument over money. I, of, of, of the three things, one of them is money. Let me tell you what you do. They look at their budget. They say, well, we got so much money. But now we can get this particular car, and we got a nice car, but we can get this particular car for um, uh, X number of dollars, and, it, and it's, we can finance it for six months with no interest or low interest. And man, that's just too good a deal to pass up. So they look at their budget and say, we, 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 we can afford that. We can afford that. So they get it. Now, you know how long it's going to take them to pay for that? Six years. Did you know a lot can happen in six years? <laughs> you could lose your job in six years. You could get sick and not work in six years. Something could happen. Anything could happen. And all of a sudden, that extra money that you had to pay for that car, you don't have it anymore. And so now, when the bills come in at the end of the month, you owe more than you make. That happens all the time. It's, it's wild. Have you ever noticed, and I'm not criticizing people who file for bankruptcy, but have you noticed how many bankruptcy lawyers there are on TV? They're, sit, they're saying, they're pleading for us to come and file for bankruptcy, you know, and, 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 and I'm not criticizing people who've gotten there by medical bills and other things, but let me tell you something. You need to understand, when you make a commitment for six months, for six years or something, you never know what's going to happen to you. And I'm telling you right now, from years of experience of talking to young couples, 
between 25 and 35 or 40. There have been many of them who went at the lawyer's office because it was all about money. And so you've got to be careful. Do not covet that which God does not want you to have. And don't assume that everything's going to remain the same when you, inv- when you, when you make that commitment to do that. And you say, well, Brother Fred, you're messing me up. I was planning on doing that. Well, good. I'm glad I'm messing you up, okay? But contentment will keep us from covetousness. Look at verse, uh, 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 well, I've already read verse 9 and 10. Those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare and many hurtful lusts. For the love of money is a root of all evil, from which some have strayed from the faith uh, with greediness. All right, now, but here's the thing that I want you to notice that's very important about covetousness, about contentment. Now, here's, this is so significant that he put this after this. He talks about contentment. He talks about the danger of pursuing riches and being covetous for that which you, God does not want you to have. And you just have an inordinate desire for material things. He gives us a, a warning about that. But then he says, but let me tell you something. Now, the love of money is the root of all evil. But if you're content, you can pursue godliness. I want you to look at... Uh, uh, verse um, 11. Now, now he goes from, from talking about that. And he's been talking about contentment and covetousness. About being satisfied with what God has provided for you. Or, or being inordinately at, running after things. But then he says, talks to us. Now listen to what he says. But you, O man of God. You, O woman of God. O you, O family. Flee these things. Oh, he says, flee them. Now, I've looked up the word flee. It means to run, run. Not, one, not F-L-E-A. That's a little thing that gets on your body. It says, flee these things. Flee these things. Just flee them. It says, flee these things. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And, and look what we're to pursue. Boy, people pursued this like they did material things. If people pursued this like they did uh, the, the riches of this world, my, what, what, what that'd be a different world it'd be in. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness. Boy, that's a good thing to covet. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue patience. Pursue gentleness. He said, man, take care of your eternal soul. Take care of your eternal soul. Man, take it, live for eternity. Think about eternal things. And, 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 and if you've got food and clothing, be content. And if God gives you the grace and the permission to get more, do that. But that's not your goal. Your goal is to be righteous and to be godly and to have faith and patience and love. And you're to pursue that. You're to go after that with all of your heart. So contentment will keep us from covetousness. He goes on in the next verse and says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you recall and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let me just tell you what he said. Live a life of faith. Be content with such things as you have. And let me tell you something. You pursue eternal things. It says lay hold on eternal. Pursue eternal things. Live with eternity in view. You're going to leave everything you have on this earth behind. And the only thing that's going to be in heaven is what you've sent ahead. And so what you need to do is to pursue uh, the things that are eternal. That's what he means by lay hold on eternal life. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And, uh, and he goes on and says in that in the next verse, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment. Wait a minute. It's a commandment. He said, now listen, godliness with contentment is a great gain. And you brought nothing into this world, you're going to take nothing out. 
So don't, don't, don't pursue riches. It's going to be harmful and, 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 and cause you a, a snare. You're going to find into many hurtful and harmful lusts. And the love of money is the root of all evil. He said, uh, he says, now you, you keep this commandment and you pursue righteousness and, and godliness. You keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. All right? And it says, which he will in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All right, so what he's saying is, don't pursue covetousness. Don't do it. Be godly. Let Christ be in control of your life and be content. And then you pursue eternal things. You pursue eternal things. Because you're going to leave it all behind. And the only thing you're going to have is the life that you offered up to God with, with the eternity in mind. But now, let me say this. This is very important. If you are content, stay with me, you can deal with any situation you go through. If you lose your job, you go, you'll be okay because you're content. Or if you get a better job, you won't go over fool's hill and become a covetous and uh, uh, spend your money on things that God didn't want you to. He said, let me tell you something, uh, that if you're content, you can face any situation you ever face. I want you to look at Philippians 4, 10 through 13. You know, I, I tell you, I've counseled so many couples, and, and they had things that they didn't need, but they let the lust of the eyes and, and the lust of the flesh cause them to buy things and do things. And here they are, and they're way over their head in debt, and they can't pay their bills, and they're arguing, and, and they're at each other's throat over it, and and the pressure comes the first of the month, and the phone starts ringing, and they can't pay their bills. I, I'm telling you, it, it is torment, and they end up saying, to come in by the time they get to see me, well, it ain't going to work. I'm out of here. I'm not going to live this way the rest of my life. And it's, it's sad, uh, sad. And so uh, I want to show you how, no matter what you go through, if you're a child of God, if Jesus Christ is in your life, and if, you're, and if you're living for eternity, and Jesus is in control of your life, I want to show you how you can face anything. Look at what it says in, in, in verse 10 of Philippians 4. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Paul was writing uh, to these uh, people, writing to Timothy and, so, and uh, to a church, and they had been supporting Paul. By the way, how did, how did Paul live? How did he live? Well, first of all, he was a tent maker. I don't know how he time, had time to make tents because you couldn't take uh, canvas and, 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 and sew and thread into prison. He spent most of his time in jail. So I guess when he had a brief time out of jail, he'd make some tents and make a little money. He said he made tents because he didn't want to be a burden to, to the other people. However, many of the churches he founded supported him. And, but this particular church had gone through a hard time and had not been able to give Paul much support. He said, I know you desired to do it, but let me just see. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has been flourishing again. You used to support me, then you went through a hard time and you couldn't. It has flourished again. Though you surely did care, you did care for me, but you lacked opportunity. You just didn't have it. You couldn't, you couldn't send it to me. And then he said in the next verse, not that I speak in regard to need. He said, I want you to know I don't have any needs. I don't have any needs. I never am more concerned about what I have. I'm never concerned. He says, not that I speak in regard to need. Now, boy, this is good. For I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. Wow. Now, that is a great lesson to learn. I have learned that whatever state I am in, to be content. I know how to be abased, which means brought low. I know how to abound. That is to have more than I need. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, 
I've learned to be full. He said, I know what it is to be full, but I also know what it is to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, let me tell you something. I've had more than I needed sometimes. I didn't have what I needed sometimes. But I've just learned that whatever state I'm in, I can be content. How did he do it? Look at the next verse. We use this verse all the time. He was talking about being content. I can do all things. What about that? Through Christ, who is my strength? Whether I have nothing or I have everything. Whether I'm empty or full. It doesn't matter. I've learned in every state to be content. Well, how do you do that, Paul? Give me a break. How do you do that? He said, hey, listen. I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. That's the way I do it. I'm, I'm leaning heavy on Jesus. And, and, and by the way, in, in verse, that same chapter, verse 19, look at what it says. And he was writing to the people that were giving to him. But my, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, man, we need to be content in all things, and we can through Christ. And if we're content, then we will pursue eternal things. We will pursue things that are, are, are going to be eternal and last forever. But man, if you ever start pursuing wealth or riches, and if that becomes your goal, and you begin to covet that which God does not want you to have, then you are already headed for a snare and for destruction and harmful and hurtful lust. Well, <clears throat> let, let's switch gears here, and let's talk about, I just talked about contentment. But let's talk about covetousness. Now, the word covetous really means, I, let me put it in words you can understand. It means you're greedy. That's exactly what it means. It means you're greedy. And, and, the, and, the, and the Bible commands, uh, has a lot to say about being greedy. He called covetous idolatry because you pursue things more than you do him. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. But no, you seek other things. It says but he gives an instruction. Listen to this. Uh, he gives instruction to people who are rich. He tells people who have money how to live. Now, let me say this. Uh, nobody in this, well, that, you know, let me just say, put it this way. Most of the people I know in America, compared to other nations and other countries, we're rich. We are. Three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry every night. Three-fourths of the world. I mean, three out of four go to bed hungry every night. And most of those spend their entire day trying to find enough food so they can eat and live another day. So poverty, most of this world lives in poverty because of dictatorships, because of greed. But I'm just saying to you, if you live in America... You do not understand the other countries of this world until you go. And you see the children running in the streets. And you see the places people live. You, 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 you'll never understand poverty unless you go to particular places in America or the other world where, where everybody's poor except the rulers and the dictators. But anyway, it says, here's his commandment to those who are rich. And include yourself in this. Command those, those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't be proud. It, 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 whatever you have, God enables you to get. I mean, we're all, all, uh, we, all things come from God. And, it, and, and so if God has blessed you with riches, he said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to be proud. And look what it says. Nor to trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God. Oh. Don't ever put your trust in material things. Don't ever put your trust in the things that are going to vanish. You shall have no other gods before him. 
Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Wow. But look at the last part of that verse. Who gives us, all, gives us richly all things to enjoy. God blesses us. And if you have been blessed as we are with wealth to, as compared to the rest of the world. But we can't trust in that, those things. You can't trust in uncertain riches. But you trust in the living God. Who gives you all things to enjoy. You know, let me tell you why you can't be pr- proud. Well, well, who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the ability to understand things? I mean, like somebody that, uh, I don't know what that guy's name, that invented uh, the, uh, in, uh, the iPhone or something. What was his name? Who? No, there was another guy that started before him. But, but anyway, uh, who was it? Bill Gates. That's right. And he made trillions. He made trillions, you know. Uh, but who gave him the, the ability to figure out how all that works? Lord, I can hardly cut my phone on. But, I mean, he invented the cotton-picking thing and invented the computer. I mean, I'm not sure it's good or bad, but, I mean, I ain't got that kind of brain. I can add two and two is five, but I can't. I can't. So I would say to him, by the way, who gave you the intelligence? Who gave you the brain? To come up to invent all of that stuff. What are you going to say? Was it, I was just smart. No, I say you're stupid. It, it was God. It was God that gave you the capacity to do that. It's God who gives you the ability to get well. Oh, yeah. And so he says, don't be proud. And, and if you're blessed, you just realize it was God. And, and most likely through a lot of hard work and a lot of things that, that gave you uh, uh, the ability to be riches. So... So don't get, he warns him. He says in verse um, 17, he says, uh, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches. And boy, they are uncertain. Oh, my heavens. What about the stock market crash back in the, the first major one? Then what about the big downfall in 2008? When the value of your house was cut half in two, and if it, if it went, and when it fell, your house was worth four hundred thousand, and when it was through fault, and it was worth two hundred thousand, you just lost half of all the the wealth, quote unquote, that you had. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So he says, "Come on now, don't be proud. Realize it's God who blessed you." And uh, don't trust in those uncertain riches, you know. And, and, and the problem is that, that when a person is covetous and pursues riches, they fall into harmful lust and a snare. One of the biggest things I've seen happen on the Gulf Coast in years was the two doctors that owned that pain clinic over on Airport Boulevard. They made millions upon millions. One of them had five cars that cost over $200,000. How are you going to drive five cars? But you see, they, they were committing fraud and they were harming people by getting them ad- more addicted to opioid drugs. They had 7,000 7, people on pain, pill, on pain pumps. They started their own pharmacy in order to get around it was just abs- it was the worst case of greed that I have ever seen in my life at the expense of others. What happened to them? Man, they pursued riches, and they fell into harmful lust and, and, and destruction and perdition. I, th- I think they each got 40 years in jail. I, I don't think they get them, let them out on the weekend to drive those cars, do you? I don't think they do that. They sold them all. You know, but, but I'm, I won't tell you. The Bible warned them. It warned them, don't you do, don't, don't pursue it. Don't be covetous. It's, you're going to fall into harmful lust and despair. You know, the drug culture in America is all, all about money. It's all about money. And, uh, and, and I'm not going to dwell on that because here, here's the dealer who's selling the drugs. And here are the people who are buying the drugs. And they're both entrapped in it. 
But you know, the only way a drug dealer has to connect his debts, he can't call the police and say, well, Bill got $2 million, $200 worth of heroin from me, and he won't pay me back. So I appreciate it if you police would arrest him and make him pay me. They can't do that. You know all they can do? The only way they collect their debts at the end of a gun barrel. So every weekend, there's two or three that did not pay their debt, and they shoot them, whether it's at a, at a drive-by or whether it's at a service station or whether it's in a house. Hey, every murder, if they're under 30 or 40 years of age, hey, it's directly related to drugs. I'm telling you, you take that out of, of, of the culture, and the murder rate in Mobile would drop dramatically. Because it's all about, you're going to pay me. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. Guess what? They will. They will. And so I'm saying it's all about covetousness. It's all about greed. It's all about the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Well, he, he, he t tells the rich people not to be proud. Uh, to realize that their riches are uncertain. And then he gives us a story I want to read. I'm just about through. About if you're covetous and you don't lay up treasure in heaven. It says, Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. Jesus had a good bit to say about money. But look what he said. But one person in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Time out. I want to pause here. You do not know how many families I talk to where they don't speak to each other anymore because one of the family members died and one of them thinks the other got more than they were supposed to get. Have you ever known anybody that has gone through that? Oh, I know, I know plenty of them. And, and they, well, they cheated and got the house or it, 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 the, the, they changed the will. And this is exactly what had happened. And, and, and Jesus, you know, he said, look, look. Uh, uh, go back to verse 12. He said, uh, the, then one of the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. Then we go on to the next verse. And Jesus says, he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? He said, I'm not a judge and I'm not going to arbitrate what you and your brother who, who got more of the inheritance. He said, all right, boy, look at this. He, he said to this guy, take heed. Beware of covetousness. That's Jesus. Man, we all have to beware of it. I've gotten, there were times I was covetous and I'm still paying for it. I'm telling you, it's bad. We got to beware of it. Of course, you've got to repent of it once you've done it. He says, take heed and beware of covetousness. Do you believe this? One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. He said, your life does not content in what you have. That's not it. It, it says, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. That, that is unreal. We, if we'd ever learn that lesson, if we'd ever learn it, that it just, and it says, and then he spoke a parable to them. And let's see what Jesus said. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Shall, uh, since I have no room for my crops. Okay. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. Okay. He said, man, business is great. I've had a great year. I'm going to expand. I'm going to build bigger barns and bigger warehouses and, and a place for all of my goods. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak to my soul. Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Man, you have arrived. You can just kick back and relax. You've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then, boy, look what Jesus said. Now, it's pretty serious when Jesus 
He says somebody's a fool. <laughs> but he said to him, fool. Man, fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. You're going to die tonight. And everything you've got in those barns, you're going to leave to somebody that will squander it and throw it away. This night, your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will those things be which you have provided? Where's all that stuff you got? And then he said, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wait a minute. He says, You can be rich toward God. He said, If a man just lays up things for himself, one day he's going to die, leave it all, and says, but he, he missed it. He missed it. He needed to be rich toward God. And he goes on in the next verse. Uh, so, he is, uh, so is he who la lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, so that just shows us that he, he tells the rich how to live. I want you to look in the next. And that's us. I want you to look at. Uh, he, says, he tells us what to do in. Um, uh, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21 and 24, he tells us, well, let me go back to this passage. It tells us to be rich, it tells you to be rich in good works. Look at verse 18. It says, this is in 1 Timothy 6, let him do good, let him do good, that they be rich in good works. So he says to the, us who are wealthy, let them do good, be rich in good works. So there's not, there's not just money we're talking about here. Let them do good, rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Just all God does has to say to you, give, you give. Share, you share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. <laughs> when you're rich toward God, you, you, all, all of your uh, assets are not in, in, a, in a mutual fund or something. You're rich toward God, and you're storing up in heaven a good foundation for time to come that you may lay hold on eternal life. He said, you're living for eternal things. You're living for eternal things. And so he tells us, to be rich in good works, be willing to give, and be willing to share. And then the last scripture I want to show you is in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, hmm. and where thieves break in and steal. You know, have you noticed how many home invasions we've been having lately? Have you noticed how many hijackings? How many convenience stores? It just seems like they're robbing one, two or three or four every, every weekend. But they said, but you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth and rust are not going to destroy it. And by the way, thieves are not going to break in and they're not going to steal it. And then he goes on and says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the way you handle money, money tells you where your treasure is. It tells you what's important to you. I'd hate to think that the last thing I checked every first thing I checked every morning was the stock market to see how my stocks were doing. That ain't where my treasure is, that's for sure. I couldn't, I, I couldn't live two months with what I have in, in the bank. You say, well, Brother Fred, you should have done better. I know that, but I didn't. <laughs> You mean you don't have a big retirement? No, no. I have enough money to get me a nice double-wide trailer, and I put a screen porch on the back and a rocker on the front, and just be content. You didn't think that was funny, did you? <laughs> you thought I meant it. But anyway, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And look in verse 24. It says, um, No man can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other. He would be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, the Bible has a lot to say about contentment. Godliness 
with contentment is great gain. Live for eternity. Share, give, buy your life, be rich in good works. Live for eternity. Live for eternity. Because, listen, you brought nothing into this world, and you're going to take nothing out. He called that guy a fool. He said, man, you laid up things, but you were not rich toward God. Tonight your soul will be retired of you. Well, let me go back and tell you about Don. So the cancer came back, and he went back uh, to M.D. Anderson, and they basically said, there's nothing we can do for you. So he took his uh, accountant with him to be sure that all of his financial things were in order. And he took his lawyer with him because he was going to set up a trust. He uh, founded and was the owner of Serenity. No, that, what's that funeral home out on the uh, old Pascagoula Road? What's the name of it? Is it Serenity? Yeah, he, he uh, uh, founded it. And he, had a, and turn, he wanted to get a sacred trust for it. And, of course, he had millions of dollars. Now, this, I'm telling you, I, I, this, this I never will forget. He called me from his hospital room at MD Anderson Hospital. He said, Brother Fred, I've got my lawyer out here. He's helping me be sure that all my things are legally correct. And I've got my accountant, and he's getting all my finances in order. But I realize what a fool I've been. I'm taking care of earthly things. And I've neglected my eternal soul. I said, Don, when are you getting back to Mobile? He said, in a couple of days. I said, you come and we're going to settle it. And you're going to take care of your eternal soul. Now, I never will forget in the study that I had at Cottage Hill. Him getting on his knees and me getting on my knees. And him repenting of his sin, turning his life over to Jesus Christ, and receiving God's forgiveness. Thank God before he died, he realized that you don't live your life for things that are going to pass away. You better be sure you're living your life with Jesus Christ in control of your life. He was wonderfully saved. and went on to have fruit in his life. And I'm just telling you, I, maybe you've been covetous. Maybe you've been living for the things you can possess. I'm just saying to you, things aren't wrong, but they're wrong when they have you. It's not wrong to have things, but it's wrong for things to have you. Money is not evil, but it is evil when you do things with it that God doesn't want you to do because all, of you, ha all you have belongs to him. I tell you this, in our culture, there's no greater temptation to, than to live beyond our means. And to let covetousness rob us of contentment. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul?